This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today's topic is the wise investor. With me today, I have financial planner Julie Chadwick, and we're excited to be talking about this topic because sometimes it's just a good idea to go back to the basics. Yeah, it's just what to do with that money that you have, right? Exactly. You know, we get this question all of the time about what should I do with my money? And of course, the answer is always going to be personal to whoever is asking the question. But there are some good rules of thumb that you should be thinking about when it comes to investing money and to saving money and to, to some degree, knowing the difference between the two things. There's a lot of different options you can do with it, and you want to make sure that you're researching and you're putting the money in the right place to make it work for you. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit for just a second about the concept of saving versus investing, right? So when you save money, the thing that you're going to be thinking about with saving money is that should be money that you're putting aside without really exposing it to a lot of risk. So when you think of savings... That's more like savings account, money markets, CDs, things like that. Something that just doesn't have huge potential for loss. And, you know, Julie, in talking with people that you work with, what's their biggest objection to having a lot of money in savings? That it's not going to earn anything. That's right. It's not going to earn anything. <laughs> it just doesn't make a ton. <laughs> right. But there is a place for it. Exactly. And we're going to talk about what that place is. So the difference between savings and investing, though, is that investing is really committing money to an account with the expectation you'll make a certain amount of either profit or growth or income, but that that is going to come with some degree of risk. Right. So the investment side of it, in, in your thinking about that, you have to be willing to have sometimes short-term, sometimes long-term losses, and some investments you have to go in eyes wide open that you actually could lose the entire amount. And that's the hardest part to get through to people is that it is okay for it to fluctuate up and down sometimes. It mm -hmm. just depends on when you need to use it. It's just part of the deal. Right. You have to have some risk to get that growth. Otherwise, we would all just put our money in something that had no risk, high growth. Right, right. And we wouldn't need financial planners then, would exactly. we? Exactly. So it's a fine line as far as how much you need to have in that savings and how much you need to have them get invested. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about what money should be invested, what money should be saved, things like that. And and here's the, the real biggest piece of advice that we can give is never expose your money to more risk than is absolutely necessary to accomplish your goals. Right. And you have to be comfortable with that risk or it's not going to be worth it either. Exactly. So if the risk level that you have in your investments is something that's keeping you up at night, or if you're thinking right now, oh my gosh, the market's been high for so long. I'm so afraid that it's going to crash and burn and I'm going to lose everything. If that's what you're thinking and that's worrying you to a high degree, then your risk level in your investments is no longer aligned with what your comfort level is. Right. You have to make sure that you're putting the money at some risk, but that you're going to be comfortable with that so you're not losing sleep over it. Right. Otherwise, it's just going to drive you crazy. So when you're trying to figure out what money should be invested... One of the first questions that any good financial advisor is going to be asking you is, when are you planning to use 
this money for something other than investing or savings. Right. If it's if it's in the next 12 months, it's definitely something that you need to have keeping in the bank. Keep it in the bank safe. That's right. So savings is something that you want to be thinking more towards short term. And investing is going to be something more towards long term. And it's really critical to know when you're going to need to spend that money for you to decide if this is money that should be saved or money that should be invested. We hear the question all the time of, you know, I have this money and I'm not going to need it for about six months. You know, can I get it into something in the market? And, and generally our answer is, well, you could, but I don't think that that's wise. Right. <laughs> and our show today is called The Wise Investor, so that's a good point. <laughs> it's not going to be worth it to get it invested if you're going to have to turn around and pull it right back out if you need to use that money right away. Right. And the reason it's not worth it is, number one, there could be some fees for short-term you know, turnaround like that. So you have to be wary of those. But also... If you're going to try to put it into something that's going to have bigger yields, you also run, like we said, the risk of having losses. And if you need that money in that short of a time, it's not appropriate to put it in something with a high degree of risk. So you have planned expenses. That's something that you need to figure out what your long-term range is when you're going to be needing that money. Right. So in the investment world, the lingo for that is your time horizon. So how long is it until you need the money? And here's some kind of generalities that you can be thinking about. If it's within a year, then you're going to want to be looking towards a low risk or no risk type of investments and ones that are probably going to have low yields or low returns as well. Right. And that's the trade-off for having that money liquid and accessible in the short term. If you're kind of midterm, so somewhere from like, let's say, a year to five years or even a year to 10 years, then that can be something that has maybe a little bit more of a, a moderately conservative or a mid-level range of risk. But if you start looking at above 10 years, or for many of us, it's 20 or 30 years until retirement, that's definitely a long-term risk horizon. And that's the kind of money that is ideal to be invested versus just saved. Because that money will be able to take some market fluctuation of ups and downs and being able to recover before you need to access that money. Right. Now, if your long-term goal is to have a nest egg that allows you to stop working and you want to use that to maintain your lifestyle, maintain your lifestyle in say 20 to 30 years, then keeping your money in a safe place like a bank savings account or a CD, something that is FDIC guaranteed, it might not get you there. Right. <laughs> That's not going to plan for the long years in retirement. So you can make mistakes on both ends of the spectrum. You can make a mistake of being too conservative. You can also make the mistake of being too aggressive. So let's give you an example of that. Let's say you put $500 a month in a bank account and you had an average return of 1% over 30 years. Now, you probably wouldn't have lost much sleep at night <laughs> thinking that you might lose that money. And in the end, you would have accumulated around $200,000. Now, if you invested that same amount over 30 years, but were fortunate enough to obtain an 8% return, then instead of $200,000, you're going to have closer to $750,000 to spend in retirement. 
So the the payoff for taking the risk, if you can get the higher returns, is really significant. I mean, who wouldn't want to have seven fifty instead of two hundred? Exactly. You got to plan on what you're going to do in retirement too. And a lot of times, if you don't know, a lot of people don't know what they're going to do in retirement. But still, you need to grow that biggest pool of money that you can. Exactly. Exactly. Because really, what it does is it it makes all the difference between feeling like you're scrimping or scraping by in retirement versus having some level of comfort or ease in retirement. So taking that calculated investment risk is an important part of your long-term decisions in saving versus investing. However, again, you have to just make sure it's tied to your time horizon and it's not money that you can afford to lose. So the two biggest points or the two biggest takeaways that we want you to hear from the first part of this show today is number one, Never expose your money to more risk than is necessary to accomplish your goals. And number two, not taking enough investment risk could actually be the riskiest move of all if that makes you fall short of your overall long-term retirement goals. So that could be a higher risk of keeping that money in the bank than investing it in a higher risk investment. Right. Now, sometimes we have people that go all the way to the end of the spectrum and say, well, I just want to be really, really aggressive then, which is, you know, could be absolutely awesome for them if they're comfortable with it. But there is a, um, a theory um, out there and it's called modern portfolio theory. And, and even though it says modern, it was, you know, built back in like the 50s or 60s. So it's not really so modern anymore. (laughs) It was modern then. (laughs) It was. (laughs) But it still works. It still still has legs. And the idea with modern portfolio theory is that there's only so much risk you need to take to get any type of given return. And there's a point on what's this modern portfolio curve that says if you start taking more risk, your return actually can diminish over time. So when you're looking at the investments and you're figuring out how you should be investing the dollars that you have, modern portfolio theory is something that hopefully your advisor or the company you're working with is keeping in mind so they don't put you so far into something risky that it actually begins to diminish your returns. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today we're talking about the wise investor. And what we're going to cover next is what is the order of money that you should be thinking about when it comes to investing things that a wise investor would really follow? So there is there a prescribed type of pattern. There are certain steps that make the most sense when it comes to setting up your investing, and we're going to go ahead and talk about those next. So, Julie, share with people listening, what is the single most important and first step that everybody should be having with their money? The very first thing that we go over with clients when they come in the office is really, what is your emergency fund? Mm -hmm. And explaining what that is, is money needed for buying a car or planned expenses or a down payment on a house, things like that. So in the time frame of a year or less, that's money in your emergency fund. You want to have maybe three to six months of your income yep. in case something comes up or something happens, a financial, you know, if, if you lost your job or if you just get laid off for a while, you want to cover, have money in the bank safe that you can access. So that's your emergency fund. That's the number one thing you need to build up first before even thinking of investing. Right. And when we say the word safe, I want to make sure that you understand we're talking about something 
safe in a bank with an FDIC type of guarantee. Now, those have limits on them as well. But if you hear us saying that word, I just want to make sure that we're super clear about what that means. So simply put, your emergency fund is how you avoid getting into financial trouble. If you have some type of large unexpected expense or you lose your job or your business income or something like that. So Julie said three to six months, and that is 100% accurate in terms of a good rule of thumb for what people need to have set aside. And what we see happen is that uh, early on in lives, people don't have this type of money set aside. Right. And then they get into pieces of trouble. (laughs) And then it just magnifies because they don't have the financial wherewithal to get out of it. So most of our listeners are not at the stage in life where they're just starting out. But um, if someone that you love is just starting out, if you have children or grandchildren or things like that, making sure that you have candid talks with them about why setting aside some money is important in an emergency fund is a very good idea. Yeah, when you sit down and tell them, especially when you're talking to young investors, my daughter just graduated from college and she's you know starting to get there and she said what uh what should i what should i start investing and i said well you got to build that emergency fund mm-hmm. and when i told her what we figured out what three to six months of her income was she's like that's a lot of money just to sit there mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's hard for them to digest sometimes it really is and it's hard for them to think about being able to save that and especially when it's something that is going to be invested in a lower yielding thing to mm-hmm. be able to just have access to it what i always think about though is that if we're not talking to our kids and grandkids about establishing an emergency fund, then it means that we are their emergency fund. (laughs) (laughs) So if you don't want to be your child's emergency fund, educate. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right. Once you've got that emergency fund built or even concurrently with building it, then the next step in the order that a wise investor fills up their investing buckets is to be investing in some type of workplace retirement account if that's available. So let's say that you have a job, you've got a 401k, then the next best step is to start putting money in there. And your first target is going to be maxing out the company match. Right. So a company match is where the company will give a proportion of their dollars to fund your retirement as well. And so whatever amount you put in, they're going to match that amount. So literally, it's free money from the company for you. I love free money. Who doesn't? (laughs) (laughs) So maxing out the match is target number one. Now, um, the next piece of that then is outside of your workplace retirement does it make sense to invest in an IRA next or in a Roth IRA? Or do you want to just keep putting money into your workplace retirement account? So here's kind of the rub with that. Some 401k plans, some workplace retirement plans allow a person to invest money in pre-tax options. And some of them allow you to invest money in post-tax options like a Roth 401k. And so if your 401k allows that, then what we recommend is, you know, based on your own personal situation, you want to decide how much you want to go pre-tax or post-tax into the 401k. However, filling up beyond the match depends on what your 401k offers and what your own income levels are. You might not be eligible to just put money into a Roth IRA outside of your workplace retirement account because of your income, in which case then, yes, you want to continue to fill up your bucket of money in that retirement account. 
if you can do it outside of your 401k based on income limits and some other different factors, then you want to look at potentially getting a Roth IRA started when you can because there's this funny little thing that Roth IRAs have called the five-year clock. And a lot of people don't realize this five-year clock exists. But for a Roth IRA to have the earnings on it be tax-free, you have to have held the Roth IRA for a minimum of five years and be at least 59 and a half. Right. That, those are the triggers that allow you to be able to get all those earnings out without paying taxes on it. Right. So the, my second type of favorite money after free money is tax-free money. <laughs> <laughs> so everything we can do to build those pools is ideal. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to have all your money in your retirement account saved in a Roth 401k and then once you retire, roll it out and think you're going to be able to utilize that tax benefit. You have to have a Roth IRA in existence for five years for that clock to start ticking. Now, if you, let's just say that you were 22 and you opened a Roth IRA. That starts your clock. There you go. Yep. <laughs> and it doesn't matter if you ever even add to it again after the first deposit. It started your clock ticking. And that's the most important thing that, that this kind of weird, quirky rule has to have in place. So if you don't have a Roth IRA and you can do one, then you might want to go ahead and establish one, even with a small amount of dollars, just to get your clock ticking. Right. And if you aren't eligible for it, then one other strategy you can consider is whether or not it makes sense to do a conversion just to get your clock ticking. So a conversion is taking money that's in a pre-tax IRA and converting it to a Roth IRA. You will owe taxes on it when you do it. You won't owe a penalty on it, though. But you'll owe taxes. And the only mathematical way <laughs> that it makes sense for you to do this is if you have money sitting somewhere outside of these IRAs to pay tax on the conversion. So if all you're trying to do is get your five-year clock ticking, then you can convert a very small amount and, if, uh, and then have the money somewhere else to cover the taxes. So you definitely don't want to just do a conversion, pay a bunch of taxes, and then be losing money on the situation. Right. That's the key. And you don't want to do a conversion and need to take money out of that converted account to cover the taxes. Right. Then the math doesn't work for that to be a good tax strategy. So it's really good to have that out there, out there ahead of time, yep. have that Roth set up. Now, when you're talking conversion, there's also some quirky rules about account aggregation. And I can't really go into all of them on the air. But let me just say that if you have more than one IRA and you do a conversion, you've got some account aggregation issues that you're going to have to take into consideration. And we see people have gotten tripped up on this all the time because um, not a lot of advisors or even CPAs that haven't had experience with it are super aware of how these rules work or telling people before you do a conversion, make sure you look at all of your accounts to see if there's an issue right. with the aggregation rules. All right. So the wise investor now has built their emergency fund. They've maxed out the match in their 401k. They've gotten their IRAs set up if necessary. Maybe now they're completely maxing out their 401k. And then what? What's the next best step for people to invest in? The next step for you would be to invest in a taxable brokerage account. 
So this, again, is your after-tax money that you can put away. So if it's excess income that you mm -hmm. have or excess savings, you want to get that invested in a brokerage account. So that can also start earning some, earning some profit and some gains on there for you. Now, what's cool about a brokerage account is that you can have one, and it doesn't matter how much money you make. You, there's no income limits for them. There's, there's no um, IRS limits with them or anything like that. Anybody can have a taxable brokerage account. It's just purely an investment account. And inside there, then based on your risk tolerance level, you might have a variety of mutual funds or ETFs or stocks or bonds or something like that. And it should be crafted in such a way that does align with what we talked about at the beginning, which is your time horizon. Right. When you plan on needing or you needing to use that money. Mm-hmm. Now, what type of investments should you be choosing inside that taxable brokerage account completely depends on when you're going to use it, how you plan to use it, and what else you've already done of these steps as a wise investor. Right. So a lot of different planning has to go in to decide what's the best investment option in those funds. Yep, exactly. Now, We've covered a lot today, but I do want to say that there is one big secret to investing success that is true and carries out true throughout the ages, and that getting in the habit of investing sooner rather than later really is the key to long-term success. It's not timing the market. It's time in the market that creates larger pools of money. And that is done by discipline. So that's why we say start early have it systematic, do it mm -hmm. on a regular basis so you're so used to it you don't even know that you're doing it, you're going to be surprised when you see how much that can build for you. There's a thing called compounding interest that is amazing. <laughs> it's where the saying, time is money, comes yes, from. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, we hope this has been valuable for you as you're thinking about the order of money and, and how to invest and the real difference between savings and investing and that this helps you along your way as a wise investor. Thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance offered through Sturk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial. Sturk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dune, South Dakota, 57049 and can be reached at 605-217-3555.